I'm Alexander Larson, a risk manager. In this series of episodes, I caught up with Paul Edge, who's based out of Portugal. We discussed all things blockchain, cryptocurrencies, including his own stablecoin that he developed. In this episode with Paul Edge, we discussed the weaknesses of blockchain. We also discussed the difficulty of actually implementing blockchain and what it's going to look like in the future. And, of course, the controversial topic of the perceived environmental damage it creates. This is Risk Managers Getting Coffee. Obviously, in this kind of situation, one of the challenges is, I'm going to assume, uh, getting people onto that blockchain to agree. You know, it's, 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 you're, you're now needing to involve different parts of your su supply chain and, and getting them to agree to, to do this. Yes. Well, part of IBM's business model is connecting different bits of technology. Yeah. Um, and so adding blockchain as, a diff as another as another part of that universe is is not a bad thing for them because yeah. they still have a lot of legacy uh, systems that will re require talking to, to blockchain. Right. Um, so it's IBM is not threatened by this particular by blockchain in general because they can sell services on top of, right. on top of blockchain. And uh, so just as an example, going back to the trust issue of we still need them to put the correct data in, are there solutions that can, again, eliminate the, the, the human error things? Could you attach like chips uh, to products or anything like that that would interact with the blockchain? Um, one very simple thing to do is have a QR code, right. uh, a sticker with a QR code on it, stick it over a lorry, and then you can see that if that you can see that stick has been tampered with or not, yeah. and you can identify using uh, the camera what that QR code is. And that's nothing that's nothing more difficult than having a, a sticker. Right. Um, you can get more complicated and have uh, live chips or IFDI uh, chips. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking things like uh, temperature sensors and, and so yeah. forth as well. Uh, th that could essentially be written to the blockchain um, so that if you know that one of your suppliers, we suddenly have all this rotting veg um, once supplied, if we look at the blockchain, we can see that, okay, well, the temperature in these trucks from this supplier we're not up to scratch. And yes, it can still be tampered with uh, to an ex extent. They could potentially mess around with the sensors, but that, that's a yeah. lot more difficult than tampering with a general database. So sensors register that it's a bad temperature and then the company edits to make sure that the temperature doesn't show and now yeah. no one's any the wiser. So I think what we're talking really about here is that the most risks are due to human factor either human error or deliberately uh, deliberate actions of humans. I think 80%, roughly, sometimes up to 90% in the IT world, uh, cyber risks and so forth, it comes down to human factor. And we're just trying to reduce that where possible. And blockchain makes it more difficult. Okay. Um, at the moment, there's very limited space on a blockchain for data. Uh, and there's also 
it's, it's very slow and very expensive. So those three things need to change. You need to be able to not necessarily store data on the blockchain, but you need to be able to say that I have this data and it's, uh, the blockchain needs to be, say, be able to say that this data exists. One way to do this is to use zero knowledge proofs, which um, is a way to um, encode data uh, and allow that data to be to be queried in a uh, you can encode that data in a small small volume, put that on the blockchain, and get a, a blockchain entity to say, did this transaction happen? You, you don't need to say what the transaction was. Mm -hmm. you, you don't if um, you can still keep the privacy of the customer and um, yeah. but what you do have is the hash of that transaction, the, the summary of that transaction. The future of blockchain will progress because you have, you'll have a small amount of data being written to the blockchain each time, but behind that will be a huge, huge mass of data that can be almost anything. Um, so that solves the size type of things. Mm -hmm. um, Cost will come down when people start using it more. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a you can have a very cheap blockchain at the moment by having it uh, having a private permission blockchain. So if you and I set up a um, a blockchain between us, then we can it'll cost nothing to yeah. only the the server the the, the server time, um, but it won't be trustworthy. It's very hard to have a lot of transactions. Um, a lot of data and keep it decentralized so that yeah. it's trust it's trustworthy those three things together are very difficult to 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 find to combine and so um obviously there's been some uh, challenges recently in terms of uh the amount of uh, energy consumption um, specifically around bitcoin but obviously other other um uh, blockchains uh, are finding the same. Bitcoin doesn't produce anything useful with its computations. Um, the, what, but what it does do is create trust with those competitions because it because it's you're you're basically using elect electricity to create trust. Other financial systems also use energy, but that doesn't mean that the the new system that you create needs to be uh, very wasteful. Yeah, if companies are concerned about ESG, then some, at the moment, something like Bitcoin might not be seen as something that's ESG acceptable. Yeah. But um, in the future, the having a database that's shared by everybody, um, that is efficient and actually produces uh, useful proof of work, um, that would be much more socially acceptable than uh, some of the current uh, blockchains that exist at the moment. So, so, so your suggestion is that the, the biggest issue is not so much the energy consumption, but the fact that, it, that there's nothing useful coming from that energy consumption. Yes. Yeah. And, and of course, with green energy coming out as well, that's another aspect that, you know, obviously uh, miners uh, might start moving to uh, greener energy and that's something that countries can actually encourage um you know uh, there might be a... 
if there's excess energy, like Iceland has a large amount of Bitcoin uh, production because it has lots of geothermal energy. Mm. It also has uh, aluminium smelters because you need a huge amount of heat and, and energy to, to melt aluminium. Um, so in terms of the, if there exists excess energy, uh, should that be used to, for, for Bitcoin or are there actually other energy intensive things like creating hydrogen or, yeah. or melting metal? Are there, should it, is it the best uh, use? And there, there we come back to that question of uh, what is it actually doing? Yeah. Is it useful? Yeah. Okay, great. This is Risk Managers Getting Coffee.